Do you need treatment or surgery? There's no need to wait or travel abroad. Receive treatment at Kingsbridge Private Hospital in Belfast or Ballykelly under the Northern Ireland Planned Healthcare Scheme at potentially no cost. Why wait? Text hello to 51777 or visit kingsbridgeprivatehospital.com for further information. Health and Fitness with David Hollywood in association with The Hearing Consultancy. Thehearingconsultancy.ie Cameron Clark here coming in once again for David Hollywood. His welfare break comes to a close on Monday, so he'll be back on your airwaves as usual next Friday. But in the meantime, we've got some interesting topics to get into on health and fitness this evening. Later on, we'll hear from a nutritional therapist on the benefits of introducing warning labels to junk food and whether or not that one could actually have an impact on Ireland's obesity rate. Two West Mead sisters will also recall their karate success at the World Championship in Scotland. Very well. And with her outdoors week coming up for Monday, Chloe Farrell went on a mission to discover what's on offer for the ladies next week. But first on Health and Fitness on Midlands 103, for those of you who claim you don't have enough time to exercise, you may have just lost your excuse, thanks to three new studies that have popped up in the last week or so. Tara Mooney is here to go through them with me. She's an instructor at Rinka Kids Fitness in Tullamore. Tara, good evening. Hello, how are you? <laughs> good, good. Tara, the first story we're going to get into this morning or this evening, excuse me, is exercising for just three seconds a day is enough to build muscle. That's according to new research from Edith Cowan University in Australia. They discovered that doing a single bicep curl three times a week significantly improved arm strength. Tara, would you offer a three second workout program? <laughs> well, I suppose it's better to do nothing, isn't it? Um, I suppose when I first read this heading, I was like, what can you do in three seconds with exercise? But when you actually read the article, um, absolutely, 100% agree with it. Um, definitely, if you're going to do a three-second bicep curl three times a week, definitely will improve some sort of strength there in your bicep. Well, I think you, you made a good point there right at the end. You're going to improve some strength. Of course, we we yeah. need to question, how, how, much? How, how, mu- how much is this going to improve? Well, apparently, according to the article, they're saying between uh, 2.5 to 3.9%. So little bit, I suppose, but it's a significant uh, increase. So how much weight are we are we pulling here for something like this? You know, if it's one single bicep curl, and granted you're probably doing it at a relatively slow pace, mm-hmm. you know, how, how much weight do you think we're pulling? I have no idea. They didn't really disclose that in the article. But I would say to people, you know, you should be feeling something. Um, so I would say maybe start off two kilos you can work yourself up to another kilo but you should be feeling a little bit of a burn and resistance there now it's important to note this study did take place over the space of a month and you know for people who've been working out a couple of years they're probably scoffing at that and saying well a month isn't enough time to see any sort of results would you agree with something like that i would say if you are somebody that goes to the gym and you're training quite hard it's not really going to make that much of a difference to you. But if you're somebody that has never done it before, um, like we were saying, somebody who doesn't really have time for training, I mean, it is going to make a difference to you, especially if in your lifestyle you're, you're not a very active person, you don't work in a physical job, um, something like this will definitely make a, an impact. So should we consider it maybe a starting point for someone that is going to maybe get into the gym, you know, one dumbbell, you know, let's say you buy 10 kilo dumbbell, it's probably mm-hmm. not setting you back too much in terms of financial investment, but it could be a good starting point. You know, if you're doing that consistently and you get to a stage where you're not exactly feeling the burn 
after one or two reps but it could be a nice builder to build up a bit of confidence and know what you're doing when you go to no, the gym definitely and especially if you have a dumbbell lying around and say for example you you look at this article and you're like do you know what i'm going to do that i want to increase my arm strength if you have a dumbbell lying around you're putting three seconds three times a week you know there is a possibility that you're going to take it and say do you know what i'm going to use it for a squat i'm going to do a shoulder press and um, so there is improvement there like there's there's room to build on other body parts and you'll realize as well it, it that it's not that hard you don't need that much time and that you are getting benefit from it and one single dumbbell while it doesn't sound like a whole lot of equipment can be used for a whole lot of workouts for a whole lot of different muscle groups yeah absolutely i mean we all learned that during covid didn't we when we were <laughs> scavenging for dumbbells when, when everyone and spends 200 yeah. euro on, on workout equipment that they yes. haven't seen since 2022 <laughs> we became very um you know we invented a lot of uh, different exercises with various uh, pieces of equipment that we could find during covid <laughs> when the gyms are closed Every, everybody and their nan had a pair of resistance bands <laughs> that they were able to make use of in some way For or sure. another. So a three-second workout, what do you think? I wonder if people will make use of that. The next story that we're going to look at this evening is from the Irish Times. Weekend warriors are just as healthy as frequent exercises. Now, this is referring to people who would cram two or three very intense workouts at the end of their week, so their Friday, their Saturday, or their Sunday, as opposed to those maybe who will have a five-day workout split they're spacing in a rest day in between. Do you think that the weekend stint of, you know, three intense workouts at the end of your week is a good way to go about it? Yeah, I think out of all the articles, this is the one that I probably agreed with the most. Um, especially, you know, recovery is massive with your training. So most people work uh, Monday to Friday. So you're trying to get your training in. You've been working all day or you're up early in the morning to get it done before you go to work. So your focus isn't going to be on that workout. You're going to just go in, try and get it done, try and get it done as quick as possible. Um, and, you know, I see it all the time. Monday evening is the busiest time in the gym. Thursday and Friday, you know, people are, there's not as many people there because they're getting tired because they don't have the recovery. So if you're going to do two or three workouts and you're doing it at the weekend, you know, you've got your free time, you're more than likely going to be rested. So you're going to get uh, a much more um, beneficial workout from it. And you're not rushing it as well because you're not rushing to go to work. So you're going to take the time to put in a really, really good workout. So 100% agree with this one. And the morning weekends, Saturday, Sunday morning, gyms are always dead. It's a time That's when true. you're really going to get a good workout in. Now, I'm kind of a mix of the two here. I'll tend to squeeze three workouts in during the week. Again, they'll, pro they'll usually only be about an hour. I'm trying to get in and trying to get out as quick as I can. Whereas when I go at the weekends, Saturday and Sunday morning, they're very intense. They're typically longer, you know, say an hour and 20, mm -hmm. hour and a half. And I do always enjoy the weekend workouts a lot more than I will the midweek. Yeah, definitely. And you can, you know, as you were saying, it's not as busy. So if you've got a plan going in there, usually you can get the equipment that you need to get to. Um, but in the evening time, there is a lot of um, changing and, and, you know, you might have to change one exercise for another just because you can't get to that machine or that piece of equipment. So I 100% think that, you know, weekend workouts are very, very beneficial, especially for people, you know, that are working Monday to Friday. It's a really good option for you. And there's no downside to cramming your, your workouts in at the end of a week. And then, you know, you say you're doing three days on and four days off. There's no downside to that. It's a fairly long break. 
I mean, it depends on your workouts. If you're finding that your last day you're 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 getting tired, you can always change it up and maybe do something like um like a steady cardio session. Um, so as well as you know, I think you should go by feel. So if you're feeling like you're a little bit tired, you know, you can always change it up. You'll still get the benefit out of it. Um, but just go by feel. This study found that, you know, you're you're not really aiming for the days you want to work out. That's not important. But what is important is aiming for about 150 minutes of moderate intensity activity each week. How would that look? You know, 150 minutes intense workout. If you were to spread that over three days, your Friday, your Saturday, your Sunday, how would you piece that together? So come Monday, you're not in bits. Yeah, so you're looking at like 50 minutes. So. I would probably say to somebody to look at something like a HIT training session. And um, so HIT is usually, you know, 40 seconds on, 20 seconds off, depending on your, your level of fitness. So you're giving yourself your, your rest as well with that. I definitely wouldn't be doing 50 minutes like flat out hell for letter um, because you are going to really, really um, tire yourself out with that. <laughs> the last story we're going to delve into this evening. I know you feel very strongly about it. The story from The Guardian that walking just 4,000 steps a day can cut the risk of dying from any cause, according to this analysis. Tara, the magic number was always 10,000. That's, that's what we've heard for years now. You get your 10,000 steps in, you're going to push back a lot of effects. Why is that change? Why is it only 4,000? I think, you know, people are kind of, we've, we've more of a, a lifestyle where we're not walking around as much, you know. Um, so I think it is going to change as well as that they're doing more research on it. Um, so they're kind of understanding more that, you know, we don't need to push it as much to get the benefits out of it. Um, and 4000 steps is it's a 30 minute walk. You know, you're looking at about between two to three kilometers a day. So that's definitely going to make a difference. 10,000 is, is quite a lot. And it's, it's hard for a lot of people to hit 10,000 steps if they have an office job. Um, so they don't even try. 4,000 is much more achievable. Yeah, the, the 10,000, particularly if you are working, say, 95, you're working every day. It takes a lot of time, particularly if you're trying to get some other form of work or exercise in that isn't your steps. So if you are going to the gym and you're lifting some weights or you're getting on a bike, something like that takes maybe an hour of your evening trying to cram in an extra 10,000 steps, which can take what over an hour for, for most people anyway. It's a lot of your evening gone just to get a few extra steps in. Yeah, and as well as that, if you are doing weight training, it's not counting in your steps. And, you know, you kind of feel cheated in a way because weight training is really, really tough. It's really, really hard. So you could have, you know, 4,000 steps, but you've done an hour of weight training, um, but it doesn't count that in. So, you know, weight training you're probably burning as much calories as if you were to walk those extra 6,000 steps. So this study found that each additional 1,000 steps, so after the 4,000, you see a further 15% reduction in risk. So do you think there should, needs to be a sweet spot that people should be hitting? This study suggests 4,000. Would you go maybe higher? I mean, it completely depends on the person. So if your time is very, very limited, go for your 4,000. If you're finding it's easy to get the 4,000 in, you know, push it a little um, more. I even find on my watch, I have um, my watch set at, well, I'm 16,000 at the moment. <laughs> it's not nice. Um, 16,000 steps. <laughs> so you're what, two hours walking every day? Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but maybe not achievable I mean, yeah, for everybody, yeah, but, yeah. but continue. I mean, it's like, like four times that. <laughs> 
Um, but you you have the option on your watch. So if you're hitting it repeatedly, if you're hitting those 4,000 steps, the watch will give you an option of increasing it by another thousand. So, you know, there is that. If you're hitting it every day, you can say, do you know what? I have another t- extra 10 minutes. I'm going to pop it up another thousand. And as it's saying, every time you put it up those thousand steps, you are increasing you know, your chances of having your, you know, or decreasing your chances of any cardiovascular disease. Is there a stage where it becomes redundant? Can you hit a certain number of steps where there's just no point in continuing to increase? So let's say you, you're past your 10,000, you're past 15, you're past your 16, and you're hitting, say, 20. Is there any point in keep going or will, will the benefits, you know, of getting additional steps in, even for just your own health, is it, is it constantly going to improve? I don't know. I mean, they need, they need to do research in this. But of course, too much of anything is is going to have its negative effects as well. Like even 16,000 steps for me. I have a bodybuilding competition coming up. So my step count is ridiculously high and I'm tired. You know, I, I feel like I'm tired hitting 16,000 steps every day. So I do think there is a cutoff point for it because, you know, anything of too much is, is, is not going to be good for you. So go by feel. Absolutely go by feel. If you feel like you're getting too tired, if you feel like your legs are aching, your joints are aching, that's the point where it's it's too much. So chuck out studies, go with what your body is telling you is essentially the advice we're getting. I think so. And from all of these studies, you know, like to do a little bit each day obviously has its benefits. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. You can do a little bit each day. You are going to get benefits from it. Tara, that's all the time we have for this evening. Thanks for coming in and chatting to me. Tara Mooney, instructor at Rinka Kids Fitness in Tullamore. Do you have any thoughts on any of these studies? Will you be adopting a three-second workout every day? Let me know. 083 30 10 103. Yeah, I think it was... Um... Basically, just, you know, I th- I was around 9, 10, Emma was around like 7 or 8. Just, you're trying a load of different things, um, like dancing, football, loads of different things. We just decided, thought it'd be fun, decided to give it a go, and then just really enjoyed it and kept at it. And did you start together? Yeah, well, I started, yeah, we did start together. I started a few months after, but... Yeah, I basically started because, well, Laura and Dad were doing it for like only a very short while, and they were enjoying it. And I kind of decided I'd give it a try and then I kind of started to really like it then. But it was only a very short while that they were doing it for me. So how long have you been doing it now? About seven, seven years. years. Yeah. yeah. Like even, even during COVID, the girls were doing classes online um, when, you know, when we're all in lockdown. So it's, it's the girls have been going probably two, three, four times a week for the last seven years to the to the training dojo. Yeah. 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 If we go back to seven years ago, you know, there, there's a lot of sports that people are getting involved in. You know, you've got your most commons, you know, you've got your football, your hurling, your soccer, even the likes of, of rugby and athletics. Why, why did karate stick out to you? And why was that something you wanted to um, pique your curiosity with? Well, for me anyways, I've kind of tried like everything, like during like primary school and stuff as well. I was kind of like just doing a bit of everything. And then I think what like made me stick with karate over like anything else was really just like the atmosphere and the people. Like when you're actually in there, like it's just so supportive and like everyone's just so nice to everyone and stuff. And I think that's what, you know, really made me want to continue going to the karate classes because like you'd be there and even if you were like having a bad day, like everyone would just like, you'd go in, everyone just be so nice and so supportive and stuff. And it just like, it's always just such a nice atmosphere and stuff. Laura, would you share that sentiment? Is that how you see it as well? Yes, definitely, 100%. I think 
it is really good. The club does really uh, focus on like helping people, supporting people. And I think that's just really um, a great environment to be in when you're trying to learn something, you know, to have people there who want you to do your best and want to help you learn the next thing or to get better. Um, I just think that's really good environment to be in when you're trying to learn a new skill. And I suppose the other thing to add to that, you know, the, the, the club puts a huge focus on building the character of the children as, a, as you know, they're not hugely focused on competition. It's competition is almost, almost a, you know, a sideline. Uh, but the other thing that's there as well, you know, uh, Sensei Patrick Beaumont, you know, he's, he's over 40 years experience, huge, huge experience. He's he's trained with, you know, the who's who of Okinawan karate and the other instructors in his in, in the dojo. You know, many of them have decades of experience, uh, you know, the, the depth, the level of, and depth of experience. And, uh, you know, both and, and there's both male and female and, you know, very senior instructors in there. It's. You know, it, it's it, the quality of the of, of the dojo and the quality of the training and, and the depth of knowledge and and the love of karate is, is is huge there and it's it's you know it just comes across. And am I right in saying that karate is one of those sports? You know, they they really focus on trying to build a person and you know make them into somebody respectful. I know in in the sport itself, respect is a massive thing. How does that come across? I suppose in the building your own personality. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like disrespect would just not be tolerated at all you know from the minute you stand on the side of the mat to like when you leave you have to be completely respectful you can get marked like you can get marked down for disrespect even if what not while you're specifically competing while you're standing there watching someone else competing you like respect is a huge thing which i think is like really important as in like it should be in any sport but like it is very important and it's a good thing to have a focus on in karate because it just makes the whole experience for everyone so much nicer like you could disagree but at the end of the day that doesn't give you a right to go and shout at someone or be disrespectful towards them you just you can you can disagree with someone but you don't get to go and be unfair to them which i think should be in all sports but i do think it's really good that it's in the sport that we do jonathan as a parent and knowing that they're going into a sport like that where respect is so high on the marking list and it's something they teach it must be nice for you to know that, you know, your, your, your children are going into their own hobbies and they're still learning respect every day. And, you know, obviously it's something you would like to preach as well to your kids. Mm. Uh, absolutely. And look, there's respect, there's control, uh, you know, there's a lot of skills being, being taught there. Um, you know, it's, as I said, the dojo that we go to the, for, for training, you know, it, it, there's not a competitive atmosphere. It's, it's very much uh, building the character. It's very much... You know, uh, taking those first steps where you know young white belts or yellow belts, you know, they're going out performing on the tatami or the performance area by themselves in front of a crowd, and you know, encouraging that and encouraging them to you know build their own um, confidence in themselves as well. So uh, it's it you know, it, and I said there's a hugely positive atmosphere in the dojo we're in, and where you know those kind of characteristics are you know, actively encouraged and developed in the, in, in, in the children. So it's, yeah, no, it was very positive. It's been a very positive experience for, for all of us for the last seven years. And, you know, our, my, my son, James, also, you know, he's 10. He also goes along. And I, I, I you know, absolutely very, very glad that we took that first step, you know, and that, that first day, you know, a long time ago, seven years ago, not knowing what what we were getting into, I'm so glad we, that we that we took that, and it's it's, it's I say it's been 
uh, hugely rewarding. And Jonathan, you've been doing this as long as they have now. You know, you all started as kind of a, a trio, I suppose, seven years ago. How have you found doing it? You know, it's been an amazing experience. Cause, you know, I started with my kids pretty much fresh as well. Uh, and we've been learning as we, the three of us have been learning together as we go along. You know, and at, at this stage, you know, you know, normally, you know, the parents, you're kind of teaching the, the you know, your children. But, you know, at this stage, it's got to the point where they're they're correcting my, you know, my kata and my karate. And they're there, you know, they're they're ahead of me. And, but we're uh, and, and they say, you know, it, it gives us a great kind of um, uh, relationship, I think, you know, really, really. It's it's something that we can always have to talk about and connect with, connect on, and you know, as I say we've gone to the, the the various competitions and we go to the classes together every every week. You know, it's um it's it's really been a, a you know as a parent, it's been a fantastic experience. So you went to the World Union of Karate Dove Federations World Championship in Dundee, and can you walk me through how how that event went? So you know, was it a one day thing? Did you go for a week at a time? How was it? Uh, it was four days, but we were competing for two, two of those days. So one day was uh, empty hand kata, and then another day was weapons kata. So for example, Emma was doing it with the nunchucks, um, which are like two wood um, handles and then like a chain or rope in between them. And then I was doing it with the side, which is kind of like a tree-tongued baton kind of thing. And then you do kata, which is a sequence of techniques um, with the weapons. And how did both of you do at the World Championships? Uh, I got um, second in um, empty hand kata and then I didn't place in weapons and then I got a bronze in empty hand and a bronze in weapons. So both you both finished in very respectable places I suppose. Now, now that you've finished the World Championships you know, is, are this the first medals you've gotten at a level like that? Yeah, yeah. We've Most... only done um, competitions in Ireland up until up until the World Championships. Well, it must fill you with a bit of pride to, you know, represent the country, represent your, your dojo, more importantly, on a level like that. You know, it must be something you're very happy with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And Jonathan, I'll, I'll actually just come to you for the next question. It must make you very proud to see you know, both oh, of you yeah. succeeding at a level like this. Oh, absolutely. Like... Uh... We went there. I suppose it was our first time going to to the World Championships. We we, or I suppose our expectation was just to go and enjoy the experience. And when we got there, it, you know, it, it was a, a huge event, far bigger than anything we we've been to before. Like there was over eighteen hundred athletes involved, and there's over thirty countries. Um, you know, the girls are saying like there was four days of competition, and there was uh, you know ten different uh, competing areas. Going for you know from early in the morning to, to late in the evening and it was a, it was a huge huge competition and really the you know the girls went out there and and, and you know they, they performed it really well and 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 suddenly we you know just started seeing the scores and and got really really good scores and then you know obviously made the podium which was which was just really uh, really really fantastic you know it was um you know. And, and and you know the girls don't do it for competitions or that they really do because they enjoy it and and that was almost uh, I I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know if it's maybe uh, icing on the cake or whatever but you know really kind of an unexpected bonus and, and it was it was fantastic you know and to see them up there on the podium with the Irish flags 
you know, up there with the other with, with the other countries. It was it was an uh, an amazing experience for us. Guys, before we let you go, I'll just ask you one question. What's next for you? So you're fresh off these world championships, you know, two medals, sorry, three medals between you. Where do you go from here? Uh, we've got the Four Nations coming up in September and then we've got All-Irelands in November. So, yeah. yeah, training for them now. That was 17-year-old Laura Glancy and her 14-year-old sister Emma, who took home three medals in the kata and short weapon categories at the World Union of Karate Do Federations in Dundee last month. Them and their father, Jonathan, are members of St. Mary's Karate Club in Athlone. They're also from Tang and they told me why they got involved in karate and the recent WUKF Championships in Dundee. Next up on Midlands 103, should junk food labels be introduced? We'll discuss it right here. Don't go anywhere. Health and Fitness with David Hollywood. With the Hearing Consultancy. Book a free hearing test at our clinics in Clara, Edenderry, Kinnegad, Mullingar, Tillamore and get impartial advice on hearing aids, ear protection, tinnitus help and more. Thehearingconsultancy.ie It is and it isn't. You can look at it kind of on both sides. Um, We like to have a choice in what we eat, but we also are poorly informed. Welcome back to Health and Fitness. My number is 083 30 10 103. If you want to get in touch, Joe Cooney is up in just over half an hour time and he's going to take you on a trip on those old country roads. But first, calls are being made to introduce warning labels for junk food. Health experts are pushing for the move to take effect similar to the law passed for alcohol products back in May. Brida Malini is a nutritional therapist and positive health coach from Belmont in Offaly. She joins me on the line to discuss this. Brida, Ireland's obesity is among the highest in Europe, but there's claims placing warning labels on junk food may be over, overly paternalistic. Would you agree with that sentiment? It is and it isn't. You can look at it kind of on both sides. Um, we like to have a choice in what we eat. But we also are poorly informed as regards what actually goes into, and it's particularly with ultra processed foods. It's not your processed foods like your um, your frozen foods or anything, or something say like your tin of fish or something like that. It is the highly highly processed foods that are actually causing quite a lot of the health epidemic that we are having at the moment. And those foods would be the likes of. Um, you anything that you like to snack on, anything that we really just say, like when you say your Pringles for one thing, your salty snacks, a lot of biscuits, a lot of cakes, anything with a very long shelf life tends to be highly processed. A lot of packaged foods that are highly palatable, you know, ice creams, a lot of all of that sort of food. But it's because we can't literally stop eating them once you pop you can't stop as the juicy and the pringle can so it's the the things maybe you, you might like to consume while you're sitting on the couch watching television okay. or a movie after a long day at work so what why why can't we stop eating them you know what what's the cause behind that the cause is there's because it's what they're actually made up of the what the effect really is we have a hormone called leptin within our body and that actually it's called it tells us when we are full and not unsimilar to insulin resistance is when you overeat a lot of these products, your body, your body can, the insulin becomes resistant to the amount of it. So it can tell you, okay, you have enough eaten. And it switches that off. So the, and when that happens, then you just want more, you crave more. And highly processed foods, ultra processed foods are geared to make you want more. They're highly palatable. It's like literally getting 
cocaine into the system. It just gives you that dopamine hit and it has an effect also then as well on your gut microbiome um, and that affects your brain and there's a whole combination of things going on. The body stores the fat then and it just doesn't know, it can't use it. So there's kind of a lock-on effect then with all the other metabolic diseases like cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes, arthritis, inflammation within the body. There is so much impact of ultra-processed food on the body. It's just, you know, it's so difficult to deal with because I was reading a statistics lately that something like nearly over 45% of the food that's bought in Ireland now is highly processed, ultra-processed. So if I'm if I'm kind of hearing this properly, is it is it all right to say that those could have, those sort of foods could be considered addictive? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, they are addictive. It's it's pretty obvious that they are addictive because they're highly palatable. They really just want you to have more of them, and they're geared towards that. And if you if you compare something like um, even say a glass of orange juice. Okay, so you have your glass of orange, you think that's healthy. There's a big difference between that and, say, eating an orange and all the benefits of eating an actual physical orange can do for the body. Totally different. So I'm wrong in justifying that when I sit down to have a glass of orange juice with my breakfast that I'm, you know, really, really consuming something good for me and getting one of my five a day, so to speak. Yeah, you're getting a hell of a lot of sugar into your system straight off, off the bat. (laughs) That's very disappointing. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's quantity. I mean, you you know, you have your glass of orange juice. You have depends what else you're having with your breakfast. You're having um, highly palatable, nice Cheerios or sugary cereals, which an awful lot of children in particular have. Um, and your glass of orange juice, thinking it's balancing it out. But all you're just literally getting is a massive sugar hit. I'm very bad for having the likes of eggs for my, my breakfast. Um, oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's fine. That's oh, perfect. well, that's look, there, there we oh, go. No, there, there, there's fine. a positive for me, I suppose. Oh, gosh, no, the eggs are perfect. The eggs are perfect. You have a whole lot going on with an egg because your body knows what to do with an egg. It knows what it can take from it. It knows the minerals. It knows its vitamins. It knows the contents, the antioxidants, everything else within real food. The body does know what to do with that. It's the problem with synthetic additions, we'll say, like your additives, your emulsifiers, all of them, the body genuinely doesn't know what to do with it. And that's what causes the problem. So if we're going to, if we're going to play devil's advocate here for a moment, if we look at kind of the, the traditional chart we would have looked at as we're growing up, and you know, the things you should not put in your mm. body, you know, that the very, the very, very top of that is your illegal substances, you know, the stuff your parents would always warn you against completely staying away from, don't get involved with people who do partake in that mm. sort of activity. Then you've kind of, below that, I suppose you've got your, your cigarettes, below that you've mm. got your alcohol, and then maybe below that you've got your junk food. Are people not going to argue that junk food is in a very different category compared to alcohol and cigarettes and those higher up on that chart? Um, and they would obviously argue with it, but to me, um, as a nutritional therapist, it really is, evident nowadays that you know we have a chronic obesity um, across the world and um, we also have things like um, cardiovascular disease type 2 um, diabetes is on the increase at an awful rate 
um, with an awful lot of inflammatory diseases as well, or conditions like rheumatoid arthritis, all of those things, and they are being driven by what we consume. It's that's it's the the complete connection between the two. So, wh- where do you go? You know, labeling absolutely would be essential, I think. Um, but how it work? How it actually works? It's quite difficult to say how it will actually work. I think it would take time more than we said the inter- thing of saying about cigarettes and things like that. It has taken so many years to actually get people to realize, okay, cigarettes are actually bad for you. And that, and the, you know. and that was going to be my next question. So I, I would yeah. I would typically eat quite healthy. You know, I try to strive to mm. at least stay somewhat fit. So I'll try to put what's right yeah. in my body. But my, my kryptonite, I suppose, so to speak, is a fizzy drink. It's the one thing I can yeah. never never stay away from. I could stay away from chocolate, crisps, Pringles, all of that. But, mm. you know, a couple of times a week, I like to have a fizzy drink with, say, my dinner. I don't think yeah. a warning would keep me away from that. No, and it won't. No more than we all know alcohol is bad for us. We all know cigarettes is bad for us. Yes, people smoke and people drink. <laughs> but it's the moderation of it. And what else you do within your life. I mean, you can't ban ultra-processed foods. It's just not going to be possible. The market is there for it, and it's highly marketed as well. So, it's, you know, it's and it's cheap. And you have to look at people's budgets. What are people buying? You know, um, you have your can of Coke or whatever a couple of times a week, depending on which one you have, whether it's the Coke Zero or whatever, you know, you're working on trying to keep your sugar levels down. But if you, if all you can afford is when you go into the shop and all you can see is the two for one or bulk buying, you know, all the products that are on sale or being marketed to you that particular week is highly processed foods and that's your budget, where do you go? And any label that you see, you know, if you have a highly processed food, what do you put on the label? Do you... um, put something like, if you're labelling it, you put something, okay, this on the label, front of the thing, if you saw something like, um, this this product is high in sugar, high in saturated fat, high in additives, it's low in fibre and other essential nutrients, would you buy it? See, I think the, I think the problem there is that yeah. it's not warning enough, if, if yeah. you get me. So, you know, the, the, the cigarette packets, you have a look at them and the photo mm. is what sticks out to you right at the beginning. Yeah. But yeah. you can't necessarily put that on, say, a junk food packet because there's yeah. going to be kids looking at it. You have to take that into into um, into effect as well. Obviously, yeah, yeah, the, the way the way the warning actually looks is probably going to be very different to what we typically see yeah. on the stuff we're supposed to stay away from. Absolutely, absolutely. I know they've been doing it in. I think in Chile they've been um, they have introduced it in Chile, um, a warning system as regards foods. But it's the kids that's actually driving the change which is amazing to think that because they don't want to be sick and they don't want their parents to be sick, they're actually asking their parents not to buy the food. So kids are actually driving. Kids are very smart as regards if, if they know. So it's surprising what you can actually, you know, what it might be worth looking at. You know, I know things, you know, and I, I do think government policy has to be improved. For instance, there in Italy, I think this week, they're banning, they're bringing in a law actually banning um, synthetic foods. 
So they're, what they're actually doing then is they're trying to protect their own fo- traditions and their own food culture and things like that. I think we need to do more of that here ourselves because we have such a good food culture here. So let's say that this warning does come into effect in a couple of years down the line. Between now and those warnings coming in place, what's the best way for people to cut down on their junk food or stay away from it entirely? Do you have any tips for that? Um, the main thing I would say for anyone looking at, you know, kind of the processed foods or ultra-processed foods is look at the first three ingredients. That's the first thing. See if, do you know, first of all, do you know what they are? Um, that's the first thing. And if you not recognize the first three you know, you can say, okay, at least I know what they are. Um, reduce snacking. It's, snacking is a big thing. Um, prepare food from scratch, if at all possible, and as much as possible. Um, use our, we have loads of locally grown sourced foods. We should actually be using a lot more of them, with a lot more of our vegetables, a lot more of our fruit. I know it's seasonal, but we should, you know, eat seasonally as much as we could. Um move, <laughs> get out and walk and move and just get a culture, I think, of just enjoying our food. And I think the more we actually just actually enjoy real food, it just becomes a natural part of it. And kind of get rid of the idea that of uh, this thing of a treat. You know, we, you, you know, using that term treat, which is used obviously a lot, a lot in marketing, you know, give yourself a treat, you deserve it, all that sort of thing. That food should not be counted as a treat. And, you know, fresh food, freshly prepared food, that should be the treat. The other is just something else, you know. So I think maybe just changing our attitude or our terminology maybe towards that sort of thing. That was Brida Malini. She's a nutritional therapist and positive health coach. She's also from Belmont and Offaly. Would you like to see warning labels introduced on junk food? Let me know. 083 30 10 103. Tune in to Midlands 103 this weekend. Lorraine McCormick is going to bring you Feel Good Flatter Day live from Castle Street in Mullingar with the full show of Kjol August Crack celebrating the second weekend of Fla Kjol Naheran 2023. With thanks to Buckley Supervalue Mullingar welcoming you to the Fla with their hot feud and deli counter. Frank and Honest coffee and more they have you covered find Buckley Supervalue Mullingar on Facebook and join Lorraine live this Saturday from 11 to 2 after the break we hear from Chloe Farrell on how her mission went to find out what's on offer during her outdoors week don't go anywhere. Do you need treatment or surgery? There's no need to wait or travel abroad. Receive treatment at Kingsbridge Private Hospital in Belfast or Ballykelly under the Northern Ireland Planned Healthcare Scheme at potentially no cost. Why wait? Text hello to 51777 or visit kingsbridgeprivatehospital.com for further information. Health and Fitness with David Hollywoods in association with the Hearing Consultancy with free hearing test clinics in Clara, Tullamore, Kinnegad, Mullen Dental Clinic and now at Keen's Care Plus Pharmacy Eden Dairy, the hearing Welcome back to Health and Fitness on Midlands 103. Remember, every Friday on Breakfast with Peter Dunn, we want to celebrate the boys and girls who play sport, recognising their talent and putting them on the Midlands Future All-Stars Honoured list. Tell us their name, their club, if they're training or playing a game or a blitz this weekend. And not only will they get a shout-out from Peter, they could win a family pass to Bay Sports Athlone. It's Ireland's largest inflatable water park with the biggest collection of award-winning slides and obstacles in the country. Baysports.ie, the home of water-based sports and fun in the Midlands. But next... 
on Midlands 103, we're going to focus on the ladies a little bit. Girls and women around the country are around the Midlands are being encouraged to get involved in outdoor activities as part of her Outdoors Week which runs from this Monday coming until next Sunday next week is all about the ladies getting out and about and experiencing nature coordinator with Leash Sports Partnership Caroline Myers has been speaking to Midlands 103's Chloe Farrell about what's on offer in the coming week Basically, her Outdoors Week's goal is to celebrate and encourage more females to get out and enjoy the benefits of being in the outdoors. It's also a great opportunity to bring visibility to the opportunities for females to get involved in outdoor physical activity. What events will be taking place during the week then? I can only speak for Leash. Um, Obviously, there's a full listing of um, events on the Sport Ireland forward slash her outdoors website so you can get a full list if you're not in leash if you're in maybe other counties like our, our colleagues in Offaly and Westmead uh, the type of things we're running is swimming swimming women soccer skills and drills for women wellness walks social cycles introduction to gym um, kayaking try tennis there's Gaelic and Mother's Others Taster Session there's FAI Kickstart and um, Kickfit Programme and obviously there's um, things like survivors camps and girls and um, kayaking and paddleboarding. How do you decide which activities you're going to do throughout the week? Um, I suppose it's based on um, other programmes that we will run throughout the year, what's popular. And then we kind of, um, we would liaise with some focus groups with people to see what kind of activities would they like to see. And it kind of stems then from that conversation. So it's really just to create awareness around um, the outdoors, what we have on our doorstep and let people come and try. If you're only getting returning back to sport or if you uh, maybe haven't, were involved with sport, but you want to try something different, this is a perfect week to actually do it in her outdoors. Why is it so important then to have an event like this? I think it's important in two aspects. Number one, it's um, obviously to provide more opportunities for people to participate. Number two, I suppose, it's really the awareness around what is available in the outdoors at a local level. Um, we could all look around our local town or village and maybe we don't know what's out there for us. So, I mean, we all know the benefits of green spaces and blue spaces. So this is a fantastic week which showcases what can be done in the outdoors here in Ireland. And just you were mentioning there about not knowing the different activities that are around. Is that in a sense that people don't know these activities are taking place for women or just that they're happening in general? I think it's in general, like obviously, um, you know, not everybody's on social media either. Um, I know you do the print, which is um, people still like to get things printed and see it, you know, a poster or see it in, um, you know, newspaper or whatever it is. So it's just trying to, I suppose, the national campaign of Horror Outdoors really emphasises, I suppose, the event happening that's right across the country through all the local sports partnerships and it encourages more people to engage with physical activity in the outdoors and gives people an opportunity to try new events. Is it something that targets a particular age or type of woman? No, it's open to all women and it's all um, it's all about inclusion as well. Um, I've said we are targeting, I suppose, different events might attract, um, attract different age profiles. For example, we have um, programs for uh, teenage girls and um, we've used that we have like um, older adults and we have like just um, general adult, adult women. So there's something there for everyone. 
And is that something that when you're picking the activities as well that you have to consider is that it's covering a wide range? I suppose it's important to give um, a flavour of a wide variety of different activities. Um, For example, uh, we could fill more uh, come and try kayaking and canoeing sessions. Uh, We currently have, I think there's, um, we have 72 women fully signed up and we could have filled probably easily another two or three um, courses, but it's just down to capacity. We can't, you know, we can't do everything, I suppose, uh, for everybody. But what we are trying to do is make the links then give people taster sessions and make the links into like the local clubs. So in your in your county, like in Leash, we're very lucky. We have um the SVT Canoe and Kayaking Club we have the Leash uh, Canoe and Kayaking Club and uh, it's great to be able then to if people are interested in it, they know where to go then to join their local club. And how would this benefit women then who do get involved and may possibly continue with the sport or activity long term? I suppose it's like anything physical activity the benefits it gives uh, gives to us all it's also providing maybe a routine it's a social outlet um, it's great for our physical and also our mental well-being so it's hugely important and you'll find as well as people um, go through the ageing process that, that their tastes change so it's important that they get to try other opportunities and maybe find something else that they might enjoy more so they have opportunities to keep up their physical activity levels. How long is the scheme of Her Outdoors Week running? Her Outdoors is just a one-week campaign. It's a national campaign by Sport Ireland and it runs through all the local sports partnerships and some of the national governing bodies of sport as well. So it's a full, intensive week of lots of activity for everybody to, to join in. Is this the second year of it or how many years has it been running? I think it's the second or is it the third? I think it could be the third, actually. Um, and it seems to be growing in popularity year and year. So it's grown, I suppose, on top of the, there's a Women in Sport Week earlier in the year. Uh, so there's huge demand for this. And this is obviously hugely important just to be aware of what's in our outdoor, um, outdoor surroundings to be able to do physical activity. Just you mentioned earlier about the change in, uh, changes of interest. Like that, it's in the third year, possibly third. Is it the same activities each year or would you have to add in different activities just to cater for the possibility of a change in taste? Yeah, no, it's different activities. It's not always the same activities. We'll keep some of the popular ones, of course. Like we find obviously walking is hugely popular, um, canoe and kayak and paddleboard. And, and then other things are all add-ons every year based on what we see. That seems to be a popular trend for people to come and try. Like for this year, for example, we've loads of new um, initiatives like the Yoga in Nature. Uh, we have like um, social cycle with a local cycle club. And there's obviously Swim and Women program. And so there's Try Tennis. So there's a a wide variety of different things. Like there's Gaelic for Mothers. There's Kick Fit, which is a soccer program for women who've never played soccer. So it's about trying something new and maybe um, finding something maybe that you're passionate about again and get out and get active. That's the main message of Her Outdoors. What has the feedback been from other people involved with it over the years? 
Uh, for us, Unleash has been hugely, po- um, hugely positive, and I know from listening to my colleagues across the network, um, they would have said the same. The feedback is phenomenal. We did a campaign earlier this year around women in sport, and we liaised with local people that was involved, maybe in local clubs or people that were involved with the park run, and the engagement it got was massive. People were really engaged to hear their story and their journey, and these are not elite athletes; these are people everyday. People people just trying to fit in physical activity in everyday life and finding something that they enjoy and that they're passionate about um, doing. Then just my last question, Caroline. So if anyone is interested in getting involved in the activities that will be running throughout the week, what do they do? Um, for overall, I suppose, for the Midlands, if they probably did, you can either look at individually at the Leash, Offaly or Westmead uh, websites, or in turn, you can actually um, visit Sport Ireland forward slash Her Outdoors and you'll see, see a full listing of events happening around the country. Most of the events are actually free. There and um, some of the events like the canoe and kayak and just the cover cost there's a nominal charge. I think it was um, I think it was twenty euros or ten euros. I think it was the girls kayaking was ten euros and the women's one. I think it was tw- it was fifteen or twenty euros. And um, let me see, women's kayaking was ten euros as well. Actually, no wonder why we sold it out. <laughs> that was coordinator with Leash Sports Partnership, Caroline Myers, speaking to Chloe Farrell about her outdoors week and more specifically what's taking place in Leash. That kicks off on Monday and it will run until next Sunday. But if you want to have a look at what's taking place in your area, visit sportsireland.ie forward slash her outdoors. Looking here in Offaly, there's dancing, kayaking, boxercise, which takes place over the week. And in Westmead, there's women's come and try yoga. There's also kayaking. There's all female canoe polo, which we heard about last week. There's women's social cycle with the Lakeside Wheelers, kayaking, more history and a nature walk and then park runs. And then you can come and try orienteering as well. Her Outdoors Week. Check it out on sportsireland.ie. I'm afraid that's all we've got time for this week. David returns to your airways from 7 o'clock next Friday here on Health and Fitness. Joe Cooney is up next. He's going to take you on those old country roads. But first, an update from the Midlands 103 News Centre. Midlands 103.